All right, here we are. Give it a minute, episode something. We're not something, actually keeping track, but uh, we got an awesome series going on right now. Romans eight. Mm-hmm. What are you calling the series again? Uh, the most confusing, glorious chapter. The most confusing, glorious <laughs> chapter. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So we've got. Um, we're looking at. We're, we're really going to focus in like twenty two through, I think thirty. Did you go to thirty? Yeah. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I uh-huh. thought so. Yeah. And it kind of the argument kind of continues past thirty, but yeah, the big kind of bombshell words are usually when you think of Romans uh, around you know are around you know twenty nine thirty. Yeah, twenty nine thirty, and then well, you covered one though, twenty eight, and we well, right. This is the ESV. You use the RSV yes. in the sermon. Yeah. Which I like. At first, I told my wife, I was like, "Does he know he's on RSV?" It's <laughs> like, does he realize it's on the yeah. RSV? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's funny. So I was a, a little concerned, and then I, when I seen uh, why you had it on RSV, I was like, "Oh," which I didn't like. Your, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like that. I yeah, <laughs> I don't. You know, it's funny. Likes that, it, it is funny. Yeah, how Romans eight twenty eight probably is a mistranslation. Of um, that, it's you know that God is not uh, working all things together for good for those who love God and called according to His purpose. Right. It's uh, it's actually he it, it is he is working for good. It's just that he is working for good with us, uh, not uh, for us. So instead of us being the passive recipients, we are the co-laborers with God in His work for good. So let me read it real quick. So I'm going to read the ESV version. Mm -hmm. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little note here. Some manuscripts, God works all things together for good, or God works in all things for the good. Mm -hmm. That second one, a little bit closer, I think, than... Uh, what we're actually getting there, because if we go to the RSV, and what is up with the RSV? I I read a little. I've never read out of the RSV in my entire life. Yeah, the RSV is really was the standard translation for a long, long time, um, and then it got updated. Um, you know, really, the NIV is pr- pretty much the one that sort of took over the re- RSV. Oh, honestly, really? yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the eighties and nineties, the NIV really kind of came on board and i mean you know king james has always been a a, you know a good selling one um but that yeah the niv really really kind of became the translation that probably in a lot of ways unseated the rsv in in sort of popular non-king james translations there's nothing wrong with the rsv right no no it's just you know it's just i just like all translations you know uh, language outdated. evolves, yeah, you know. People so don't like it anymore. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's the boomer translation. <laughs> the boomer translation, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so and you know, more more manuscripts come to light sometimes too, right? So it's a uh, pretty cool oh, too yeah. to like be able to be like, all right, this new tra- or this new manuscript that was found, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls certainly uh, changed the game for um, translation for, but but also oh, yeah. of course it was amazing how how what we had in the book of Isaiah was uh, so, so close to what the Qumran community had and as a Isaiah, uh, you know, 200 BC. So amazing. So you mean it wasn't changed many, many times over all these years. Exactly. Yeah. I That's mean, that, right. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like God wanted it to stay the same. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I do want to read from the RSV here real quick though. Uh, that verse 28 that we were just mm-hmm. in on ESV, because it is, it is, extremely different and so i i just want to be able to put that on here uh 28 in the rsv we know that in everything god works for good with those who love him who are called according to his purpose Mm -hmm. and that's more accurate that is more accurate i think yeah and it makes more sense yeah, For so sure, instead of all things working, it's God is working. Yeah, based on what we know so, in the scriptures. I mean, is there anywhere else in the Bible where God says, I'm going to make everything work out for good for you, like it's going to be great? 
Well, uh, I mean, yes, in a sense, like where, you know, you can see in Second Corinthians where, you know, where they're arguing about following Paul, Apollos, Christ. And Paul just says, hey, all things are yours, whether Paul, Paul is Christ, life or death, you know, you know, you know, they're all yours. Like it's like, so everything is going to uh, culminate in Christ in the new earth. Like he's wrapping everything, you know, in, of sure. course, for it. But yeah, the idea, um, yeah, the idea that uh, God is working for your, taking the bad things that are happening in your life and then working them for good, um, that we would get, which normally we take a lot of comfort out of this verse, right, um, is something that I think is, uh, you know, he, he certainly takes our, our trouble and uses good out of it. We know that we get perseverance, character, hope, you know, all of that stuff out of our sufferings. Um, so there are, are lots of good benefits from suffering. But, uh, but yeah, it's certainly not... Uh, that's not really what this is saying. When someone, this is like, I'm, I'm just really going to look for opinion here. You know, when someone quotes this verse and saying like, like, let's say they get uh, a flat tire and then they go, Oh, Hey, you know, God works all things out for good. Yeah. You know, uh, would you correct them on that? Or would you just no. let that go? Well, your flat tire, I might be like, that's a little, Weird, but uh, well, it's, it's, you know, well, I'll take this. So, I had to, I started a church, thank you, God called me to do it six years, seven years after I, I started, I had to close it. That was a bad thing. It was a bad thing that I started it not wanting it to fail and it closed and it didn't work. So, I certainly thought of that verse a lot that God is going to take a bad situation where I had to close my church and work it for good. And we certainly see that, of course, like, you know, uh, the story of Joseph, right? He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good in the saving of very many lives, right? So you had, that's very much a, a very biblical, a biblical thing. So yes, so God, and so there is, and there is a lot of neat things I have learned and also that positions I've been in be, uniquely because of the church plant folding. So good things have come out of it, right? So it's not as if it's like, but, uh, you know, would I say everything about the church plant, uh, failing has, I can see all the good that's come of it. And it's like, I have a nice tidy bow from that. No, I don't. Um, and, but that doesn't mean of course that, uh, I have to despair either or anything like that. So, and that's certainly not what the, probably the more correct translation means either of this, you know, of this verse. Um, so yeah, it would, so, but we do comfort ourselves knowing that even the bad things that happen to us are under the sovereign hand of a good God who we know it's not going to be the, you know, end of the story, right? You know, um, and I think what's nice about the different translation too, is we don't have to actually say, we don't have to have the end of the story to say, how is this going to be made good? How is this going to be made good? How is this going to, you know, because I think that's a lot of times what we want to know when bad things happen is we really want to know how's the, how is this bad thing going to turn good? Um, yeah. And uh, and sometimes we just don't know, uh, you know, in this life. But of course, all tears will be wiped away in the new earth. Yeah, I, I got to say, like when you were going over the verse and you had this RSV translation up and I was reading it, I really felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I was like, how dare he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, my, how my, yeah, that's good to know. I should have picked oh, up on yeah. that more. The crowd was, was not like, with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, why, why, why would this say this? Why would this say this? And the thing is though, when, you know, in the spirit of the name of this podcast, when I did give it a minute, I thought about it. I was like, you know, it actually makes more sense on the RSV translation than it does on the ESV. Yeah. The ESV makes it this very broad scope of like everything in your life, for in my opinion, that is. And every, everything in your life, even if something goes bad, it's going to be because it's going to make something go good later. That's not always true, you know. And so I was kind of like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess this does amount up. And it's actually better knowing that uh, we have a God who is working everything for good with us. Yeah. Like, yes, we're not just, we're not just on the sideline. Right. 
Yes. This is something he's doing with us. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Which is really kind of what it means to be the temple of the living God, which means yeah. to be ruling with Jesus in the Davidic rule. You know. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a notoriously hard verse construction in the Greek. So that's why. So it's and again. So the so when the ESV and others translate it the way they do, there is actually good reason for why it's it's more the, the those who love God and call it according to purpose are the passive recipients of God turning all things for good. But um, but that that word synergy, which is always translates as like partnership or working with in the other parts of the New Testament. Um, is uh, why I think it is God. God works for good uh, in all things with those who love Him, according to His purpose. So, how much Greek do you know? Not much. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I've had, I've had like four years of Greek, which means that oh, really? I'm pretty good at using the tools oh, okay. of it. But if if I picked up a Greek New Testament, uh, I would be pretty useless you know okay. now but you know 20 years ago i would have been okay but now i this means i can just use the tools and i can understand what people are saying when they mean different cases and things like that but i'm not i'm not certainly not uh you would never want me to be like translating out of a greek new testament uh you know <laughs> so right now so so yeah you don't want to you don't want me translating anything so so you have to brush it up do you know who uh, James White is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I bought a book of his uh, and it's, he talks a lot about the book is about the, uh, the like the inerrancy of scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't finished it because I'll be honest with you. Like I try to read before I go to bed when I'm like completely exhausted. Yeah. These days. <laughs> it used to work out great before I had a kid. But, uh, uh, now it's yeah. totally different. And Instant sleep. Try to like, like read it chapter of that book and i'd be like what is he saying yeah you know and he like details like this one uh word in the greek that there's like three different variation there are three different like meanings that it can have and like how many times it repeats itself in one of the new testament books and i, I was like i don't even know what you're saying man mm-hmm. like i'm just i gotta put this down yeah maybe someday <laughs> so uh I'm sure it's a great book great. But i haven't completed it yet yeah, those are tough. The more technical academic ones, they can be a slog yeah. for sure. Especially for someone like me. Yeah. We got the whatever I got on the ACT. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, right. That's right. Maybe I should give the book to you. That's right. You can't handle it. Your ACT score was too low. I'm I'm more of a more of a comic book guy. No, no that, that sounds like I'm dissing comic book people. I'm not. That's great. Uh, so we'll we'll jump down to the the next piece that we have here that's the the really difficult one and this this idea of predestination and i wanted to start off with the i heard about a t-shirt that somebody received for their birthday okay <laughs> and it said <laughs> and there i was on my way to murder christians when i used my free will to become one of them <laughs> oh that's so that hilarious oh my gosh dude that is so great that is hilarious oh my gosh so funny so i figured that's what i was like you know what that's i got a friend that makes t-shirts i'm like i'm gonna get that t-shirt made for my pastor give that to him for christmas oh my gosh he can wear it on the stage that is hilarious i've never heard that before i love that it's so funny oh my gosh but so romans 8 has a lot that i mean this is this is where this comes from is it not like is there a predestination really spelled out better anywhere else in the Bible than Romans 8? Probably Ephesians 1. It's probably, I mean, not, maybe not better, but that's certainly a, a pretty big treatise about it as well. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like 8, Romans 8 is where I always hear people go. Yeah, Romans 8 and 9. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Romans 8 is the, unfortunately, it's the chapter that doesn't exist for some denominations. So. <laughs> So we'll go to... They're too triggered. 20... Uh, well, yeah. Well, I'm just going to read... I'm going to read 29 and 30 real quick. Mm-hmm. All right. So, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's the RSV. Uh, the ESV is is probably basically it's all the same. almost identical. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we, I won't bother reading that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. little. Yeah, the ESV is a lot. Is is kind of they they call it in the vein of the RSV for sure. Yeah. So he foreknew us. Mm-hmm. As in foreknew before we were born. Yes. But we didn't exist then yet, right? That's right. But he knew that he was going to make us. Well, I think, well, first off, you might want to take one step back because all of the discussions largely for us have a bit of a, you know, Protestant Reformation flavor to it, which is, uh, which is basically, this is a discussion about salvation and you can't stop, but not think, think of Calvinism and Arminianism, which is again, sort of how, uh, salvation works and kind of the will and all of that in there. What's actually, I think, uh, now N.T. Wright is trying to pick this up in his book, and I think he makes a really good point about this, is he's saying, so he just got, Paul just got done saying God works with us, right? Mm -hmm. So he's talking about God working with us. So, and he, so he doesn't just pivot then to, to start talking about our salvation. He actually is saying, um, this is a vocational passage. So basically to say, like, it is always the point of God's people in saving them and making them his people, that they are going to be his co-laborers on the earth with him. Um, And so not salvation is just not something that happens for them, but also that happens through them um, uh, for all of creation, you know, which he just, of course, talked about earlier in eight. So, um, but yeah, of course, whether you're talking salvation or vocation, he is actually using all this covenant, God's chosen people language, which would obviously kick us back to Israel, right? Of God's chosen people. They were the foreknown ones. They were the predestined people of God, right? It was always his plan to make Israel. Um, But also... Jesus the Messiah was the pre, also the foreknown one, the predestined one um, that was also called justified and glorified, right? So, um, so yeah, you're jumping so, yeah. something now that I was actually about to jump into as well. Great, yeah. So, yeah, so that's the one step back first is, like, yeah. we have a flavor of, like, arguing about salvation and how it works a bit with these verses, um, where I think Paul is actually trying to say... Um, he wants it to come from this working with idea and certainly for the assurance of a Christian that they are, uh, they can be assured of their, uh, the presence of God with them, uh, to bring about life and blessing on earth and, you know, renew creation. So, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah. So that was actually the next thing that it, it, it really comes to this question that is kind of weird for me. Uh, it might not make much sense to ask this question, but it is a question that I formulated just like, cause I try to read this from a perspective of like a new Christian and ask some questions from that perspective. And so my question is if everyone's saved now by we, when we look at uh, verse 29 there for those whom he foreknow, he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, that means saved. Those who are be, who are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, those are the people who are receiving salvation, right? Yes. Which would be you would want to think it a bit not as going to heaven when you die, but more as being brought into God's people as salvation. So you being in, you being a, a, a in God, you are in God's family. That is salvation. Uh, but also a little bit more than just a, um, going to heaven when you die or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and what I'm reading in here is this, uh, conformed to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. I, it makes me think of like the, that whole process of like sanctification. Mm-hmm. And, like we, like once we die, that's when like everything's complete and that's how we're conformed to the image of his son. Right. Make sense. 
kind of. So, so now this is where this is where it's tough, right? I actually think this is where this is really, really tough. Because, again, I'm not exactly sure Paul really means here what we actually would mean by uh, salvation and sanctification. So, um, when he's saying conform to the image of Christ, we would think of holiness. We would probably mean something like our morality getting better, we're becoming better humans, we're becoming that kind of, you know, that kind of thing, right? Um, when you're talking about, in, you know, you know, more patience, more love, more kindness, more all that kind of stuff. Now, certainly, I don't think that's like off on this part, but I would actually say it's actually more conformed to the image of Jesus as ruler king, like his actual rule, um, than it is. So his conformity to uh, Christ would, in this instance, would, would be his rule. And you are going to be one who rules with him. So it's more vocational than it is like salvation, about like pure, like rightness with God. Does that make sense? Putting an awful lot of responsibility on us here, Dave. (laughs) Yes, which actually is honestly, I think one of the, the real things we real miss here. Like think about it for a second. What he's, he's, and what he's actually going to then say. So, um, He's going to say, uh, because you're, if you're, you know, you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, um, or His Son, so that He will be the firstborn among many brethren. Why does He say so that He will be the firstborn among many brethren? Um, the reason He says that is because it's this idea of He's He is exalted, right, to the rule. And so he's he is the first among many brethren of so basically he rules and so does the brethren he's first but all the other brothers rule with him men and women yeah. too it's not just men but he's he's saying you know uh, it was God's plan all along to work with you and to bring you into the image of His Son uh, which is he's. Uh, he rules in the Davidic. He's the fulfillment of the Davidic line. But you also participate in uh, the, the ruling the nations because you are in Christ. And so he, and then he called you, and he justified you, and he glorified you, um, which we can get into in a second. But so, so that's what's tough about this. Like, so when you think about it as being conformed to, um to Jesus in his, like in a sanctifying way. Um, if we think about it in a moral way and not a vocational way, I think we miss a lot of the role or what Paul's actually trying to get at in Romans 8. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So that, that, that goes off. Um, I, I mean, there's, Great stuff. It just kind of went <laughs> off in a direction that I wasn't planning. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, it, it's very. Uh, go ahead, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish. Well, I, I guess the because my next my next stage in this was uh, this when we talk about this now, those who are predestined, we're talking about those who are followers of Christ. Yes, that's the people who are conformed to His image. Correct. What about before Jesus? You talked about earlier, you mentioned those people who are the chosen being God's people in Israel, the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Was there anyone else at that time that would have also been predestined that wasn't a Jew? Is that possible to have even happened? Um, I don't think so, if I understand your question correct correctly because this is like this is like god's people bringing brought into god's family god's people language for sure um yeah it's spoken of both for it's spoken of in the bible about israel it's spoken of in the bible about jesus and it's spoken about uh all those who believe in jesus jew or gentile so before this it was the jewish people and that was it uh and then, y- yes, and I mean all the people who yeah believed in right yeah 
Go ahead. Um, sorry. And all the people that believed in. No, go ahead. I, I won't okay. let you finish. <clears throat> no, I, that that was that was it. I'm gonna let you finish. Establishing, <laughs> establishing that pre New Testament covenant, it was just the Jewish people. Yeah. So all the co- so this is so this hopefully makes Romans nine make a little bit more sense too because this leads right into then well what about unbelieving Israel. Right? What about unbelieving Israel? Aren't they the ones that have the promises? Aren't they the ones that have the covenants? Aren't they the ones that, um, you know, have the law? And what what is Paul? How Paul? How is Paul going to answer unbelieving Israel when he when he's just now saying like he's using like basically you know Israel God's people language about uh, everyone in Christ? Um, but what about those who are Israel but don't? believe in Christ. That's uh, exactly so, going to be my next question. Yes, yeah. Like, how does, like, just like historically, because I don't know much about, like, the history, and I know that, like, when uh, we were talking about Romans, you mentioned, like, they were, the the Gentiles and the Jews were suspicious of each other, mm-hmm. uh, but not really the Jews, the, I guess, the Christians, the, the Christian Jews and the Christian Gentiles, depending yes. on what their background yes. was. Like how did how did Jews really react to this when they're being told that you're no longer the only ones? Yeah. Oh, it you was know? it was. That's a culture huge, shock, like beyond mass the other culture shock. Yeah. You know, and so that's what that's why I was curious. Like, was was is this something brand new here now? You know what I'm saying? Or was this something that in the Old Testament was mentioned that other people uh, that there were, that there was anyone else other than Jews before? Christ coming. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's not, right? Uh, no, there's not. I mean, and except for it's prophesied that the nations are going to, you know, it's going to expand to the nations, which is a big that's, point. That's so, not what the Jews expected. So, they, no, they, certainly not. They, yeah, they were not happy about it. Uh, it the unbelieving Jews are not happy about it. And that was a source of major problems for the disciples as they were saying, Jesus is now fulfilling. Uh, what was spoken of in Isaiah, Jeremiah, other places about going to the Gentiles. And some of the Jews were expecting Jesus to, to well, they were expecting a king to show up and liberate them and, and take over the world, right? Yeah. To fulfill the Davidic covenant. That's what they were uh, expecting. Right, yep, that he was going to conquer their enemies, set up his kingship in Jerusalem, and all Jewish or Israel there would be, you know, kind of his uh, ruling with him as they ruled the nations. Talk about horribly um, disappointing. So, yeah, they were, yeah, for like, sure. Oh, we're not yeah. going to be killing everybody and mm-hmm. taking over the whole world and stomping on everyone. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, uh, of pride there in that idea. Well, and we would have felt the same way. I'm pretty sure, you know, so it's a, yeah, because I mean, they were basically a very persecuted people. Anytime, like anytime like bullied, you know, bullied Uh or persecuted, you're kind of, and you're like, I have all these promises and you're certainly you're persecuted and bullied and under the thumb of like wicked nations and wicked people from other nations. Like, um, these were not nice people that were, uh, you know, ruling over Israel. They were, it, it would it would have been very much a thing that um, that they were they wanted to get out of under the thumb of these wicked well, these um, were the nations that created crucifixion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there, they, it actually created a new word to describe how painful it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, which is where we get excruciating. That was. Oh yeah. Wow. You know. That's cool. I didn't know that. You didn't know that, dude. Yeah, even oh, with your wow. low ACT, you, you taught me something. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, that's. I can't uh, believe it. No, now, now, now we got to Google it. It's going to turn out it's actually wrong. Like, <laughs> like, like. Oh, don't no, question was, yourself. Uh, don't question yourself. Go with it. I'm never going to Google this. Years ago, uh, Yeah. No. What I what yeah. I've been taught is that the word excruciating comes from crucifixion. Uh, yeah. Because it was such a horrible way to die, they actually had a word for it. Oh wow. So yeah. These no, no, I, mean, I believe you. It makes sense. Oh yeah. So anyway. I don't know. Not to like you no, you're exactly right though. Like and this is I think what's so um so I mean I'm kind of going through like a mental reshift on this too. Because we obviously we have like grown up in and I've lived in a church setting that would that views sort of everything through the salvation lens, right? Like um 
and we don't see it through we often don't see it through the the Jewish lens or the Israel lens of the Old Testament. And I think that and it actually goes to show the danger that Paul is writing about that's happening to the church in Rome is very much kind of come to, come to bear later on where it's like it's very easy for us to see a Jesus uh, who saves us from our sin and but completely disconnect it from what he uh, was doing in the nation of Israel, particularly with the main covenants, right? So, and even our, a lot of times when even someone says, like, what is the, you know, explain a Christian worldview, a lot of people say, well, it's God created the world, uh, humans fell, God sent Jesus, and then he's going to, you know, we believe in Jesus, and he's going to uh, set up the new heavens and new earth, which completely skips over all of Israel, right? I mean, it's like, it's almost like this creation, fall, redemption, uh, you know, and it just like skips over Israel. And, uh, and so it actually does that makes, it actually makes uh, us, um, you know, sort of like salvation and otherworldly obsessed, uh, where I think Israel and how God fulfills uh, all that he does with Israel and seeing it through that lens helps us understand God's intention all along to renew creation, to bring heaven to earth, not us ex- uh, escape from earth to heaven. And what what sort of our role in the meantime is. Yeah, we do have that. I mean, we do just leave that whole portion out there. And I feel like we see that a lot. I, I know I've seen it a lot because a lot of times you have people that don't want to talk about the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. They don't want to talk about, you know, the bloody parts of the Bible, the wars and battles that took place. They don't want to talk about those things that are harder subjects now because mm-hmm. they're so easily attacked. And they're, I think a lot of times it's it's a fear of confrontation. So they try to just forget about it and mm-hmm. leave it out and say, oh, no, I focus on the New Testament. And then we get this whole, you know, uh, you know, oh, yeah, God is love stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like. You're, you're, you're totally missing a huge piece of the pie here, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can't possibly claim to understand the character of God when you don't even know the history of his people. Yeah, yes, I mean, absolutely, and the, like, what are the whole points of these covenants anyway? Like, what are the points of what he did with Abraham? What's the point he did with Moses and the giving of the law? What's the point of what he did with David? You know, like, what is the, and what, what, what does that mean for a Gentile Christian like me? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Romans eight, I think is actually trying to like wrap all that. Up. I mean, Romans in, in a lot of ways is like trying to answer that question largely, um, for Gentile Christians like me and you. Um, and it, it, the problem is, is we, we kind of, we, we sort of like skip the, the Jewishness of us in a way, not, not fully. I would not be totally unfair to it, but like we skip a lot of the Jewishness of it uh, in a way, um, and kind of make it this Romans road to salvation, which is actually. I mean, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's ever. I don't think it's bad to just give people a succinct way about what Jesus has done. It's not bad. I don't want to. But, but like, um, but there. I think that it's a good point to say something like. Um, Oh, there, there is actually something like really valuable here so that you understand how you are to live right now. Particularly, it's helped me, I guess, understand in some ways where um, I actually feel like it, it, it really is important for me to learn how to be a good steward or in, in some ways learn how to rule now. Like learn how to like be skilled at stuff, to treat people like to walk by the Holy spirit in what he wants done as he works for good, like actual, like, you know, how things like, you know, are done well and get done well. And if I, if I don't do things well, there's consequences, you know, there's just like, there's parts of rule, right? What does it mean to be, to rule wisely? What does it mean to, you know, have to stand up to evil? What's it mean to have to, you know, that kind of thing in a way where I don't think I really thought about that much at all. Cause it's just kind of like, Oh, God saved me and that's great. And I follow the Holy spirit. Like 
you know, it doesn't feel very sometimes connected to the, you know, earth or your job or your like, or your, wherever your little rule is, you know, so. So this, uh, this next part here though, and maybe it's not as complicated as I think it is. Well, actually, I don't know if it's complicated at all because I don't fully understand it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because we jump into verse 30. He says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right. I got that part. I got the glorified part. I understand that because we, we received Christ's glory, you know, his holiness. That's, that's right. That's where the glorified part comes in. Uh, I don't think so okay, either. Then, yeah. Then, but then, I won't. Stop. Yeah. Let's, let's back up then. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't understand anything. <laughs> those who be predestined, we got that. Those are the people that uh-huh. he knows are going to choose him. You know, you talked about the 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 pot and the the potter. You know, and you know my my favorite line is, you know, does the pot say to the potter, "Why have you made me this yeah, way?" Right. You know, uh, got that part. But who? What does he mean by called? What are we called to? Yeah, so this is a really so here's a really fascinating discussion I've never thought about in my life. But I didn't know so NT Wright brings this out in his book and that I guess there's sort of been in like this scholarly argument for a long time about um when Saul um met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Was that the time that he uh, was saved, or was that the time that he was called? Paul does not refer to so Saul Paul. Paul does not refer to that time as the time that he was saved. In fact, you don't really see Paul talk about that that instance of his salvation at all. He would have, I think, in a sense, there's a sense that he never saw him self as ever outside of um, the righteousness that comes by faith. It's just that he did not not see it in Jesus yet. So when Jesus knocked him off his donkey or his horse or whatever, it was that is when he was called to his ministry. And that's exactly what God says to Ananias. He says, I am to, he says, go to, go to Paul, pray for him. I am to show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. <laughs> and so, and he, and Paul says when he did that, it's like he was pleased to reveal his son in me um, when he did that. Now, what does he mean by that? He doesn't mean he, that's a call word. Like it means that Davidic, you know, so, so when, when Jesus came, knocked Paul off his horse he sh- he revealed his son um, not only to him but um, in me, and so when he got the Holy Spirit, he uh, it was obviously uh, where um, he would have coursed. I don't think he was thinking I was ever outside of the one believing and following the one true God. It's just now Jesus is the one true God. I didn't see it in the fulfillment that way. But when I finally saw it, it was at the same, that was actually my call too. the exact same thing. So he didn't have a conversion and then call. Uh, So when Jesus knocked him off the donkey or the horse, uh, whatever it was, um, that was actually his call to what he was going to do. uh, With God, right? So here you come back to Romans 8, 28, that God works uh, you know, everything for good with those who love God and called according to his purpose. Wait, are you saying Paul was saved before he was knocked off the horse? So here's a question. This is a real, this is, so this is the debate between a lot of scholars, which I have never thought about before. I have always thought about Paul's uh, experience in, on the road to Damascus as his conversion. Right. And, but he doesn't actually talk about it that way. And then that is true. He talks about it as his call. Um, now, of course, he did not know. He did not know Jesus as Messiah, right? He was, he was opposing Jesus as Messiah. If he would have kept on the same road, right? If he would have kept on the same road, then, of course, then he would have been under God's judgment, 
right? But Paul doesn't talk about it, does not talk about that as his conversion, largely. He largely talks about it as his call. And there's there might be a sense in which Paul is just saying, listen, I was I am I am I've never been about making a new religion. Ever. I'm I am Jewish through and through. It's just that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Jewishness. I worship the same God. I've the same I worship the same God I've always worshipped. It's just that Jesus is revealed to be not only God, but the suffering servant in Isaiah, the the Davidic king, the you know all that kind of thing. So, um, but maybe it doesn't even really matter. And in some senses, right? And that actually might what make Romans twenty nine kind of cool and twenty nine thirty kind of cool is that for you and I, when we came to trust Jesus, it wasn't just a conversion. It wasn't just a salvation. It wasn't the day I was saved. It's also the day you were called. It's also the day you were justified. It's also the day you were glorified. Um, so all three of these things happen at once. It, out, the all three things happened. Uh, because they happened to Jesus, they happened to you. And they've already happened. They've ha- already happened. That's what I think was the what is the major thing. So it's true of Jesus is true of you. So Jesus was called at his baptism was justified as at his resurrection, glorified as his ascension. He now because of that he's Lord and because of the rules, and so he is now is sharing that with you. So you are also. Called justified, glorified. Okay, so these things aren't steps, right? It's 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 not a chain of salvation. Called first, and later justified, and then finally glorified. It's it's those whom were predestined. He called, justified, and glorified. Yes, just as Christ was called, justified, and glorified. Yes. Okay. One more thing. Okay. Uh, Mr. Hi ACT. Is <laughs> Jewishness actually a word? Is that? A... Oh, probably not. <laughs> right, I don't know how to say it. Give you hard time. <laughs> yes, I don't know how to say it. But it is so. If you so, it is like it's a complete paradigm shift, in a way, because it's talking. I think we're to see it largely as um, us participating in what Jesus Christ earned uh, in being the fulfillment of the Davidic kingship where he will rule all nations or he will rule over the nations. So, um, and now of course we don't see ourselves ruling over all nations now. Right. But that is our future. And so, and our future now is groaning with the Holy spirit, you know, suffering, uh, you know, uh, not, um, often perplexed, not knowing how to pray as we ought, but God spirit prays for us in our weakness with groans too deep for words, right? He is working with us for good, you know, even though it's hard to see, right? Um, and so no Christian should ever, and this actually is really interesting for me because I've, since I've always thought that as something that's like a chain, I've always felt like my glorification isn't yet coming until I go to heaven when I die. I think it's the exact opposite. Your glorification happened when you became a Christian. Your call happened. Your justification happened. Your glorification all happened when you became a Christian. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, which Paul says in Colossians, right? So you're so you are you are a embodiment of His rule now on earth. Um, how He's bringing heaven to earth now through you and through your body. Am I making no sense? Is that like I I have no idea what you're talking about? I I think you make perfect sense. It's just my biggest problem right now is, is I'm like, okay, um, here's the problem I'm having. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not so much. I have a problem with the text or, or with what we're talking about. It's getting everything out. Like, I feel like we've talked about so much here and now I'm sitting here and I'm wondering like, have we actually explained what <laughs> predestined means? I don't think we have. Like, 
but there's been so much said about it, and that's <laughs> the biggest problem with this subject, is there's so much that can be said, and yet you barely scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. So now I, I got to go all the way back to the beginning, and I got to say, Dave, what is predestination? <laughs> and I just had no good way to transition that. That's hilarious. Like, How do I get back uh, to this? So, so I'm great. like, you know what? Just roll with it. Yes. Um, what is it? Like, all these things we're talking about. How do we define it? And is this all we have? Like, does the text explain why it's like this? Or is it just simply, hey, predestination's a thing. Welcome to the world. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. is there any detail under the hood here that we can go, this is why or this is yeah. how? So uh, I think I think the word is there largely for Paul. And he uses it um, when he uses it. because he is trying to say this has been God's plan all along to make a people of every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. This is not something he is, um, that, uh, you know, that's flying by the seat of his pants. So his way of renewing and rescuing his creation has always been to bring people into, uh, his people. And he has predestined um, those who are going to be his people. God's people. God's God. bringing people into his people. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, and so from, you know, Paul will say in Ephesians, from the kingdom of darkness, <laughs> you know. And so um, uh, so God knows, you know, who, so obviously he does that first with an ethnic people, the Jewish people, right? And so which is based on... Um, uh, having babies and circumcision, you know, and so, um, but uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the full plan to just do it through an ethnic people. It was to bring it through all those who were going to be have the faith of Abraham, uh, which is um, you know belief in resurrection and that uh, uh, that would make you righteous, right? That would be the righteousness which comes by faith. And so, um, but, and he knows who are, he knows who, who's going to believe he's predestined it. Uh, he predestined it, you know, just like, uh, so he foreknows who's going to believe. He predestines those who will believe. Uh, it's something that is, um, you know, in God's, uh, will and before, you know, uh, you know, before he formed us in the womb, he says to a Jeremiah, you know, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. Of course, he does this for Jesus before the foundation of the world, too. You know, it's preordained that he's going to, the Lamb of God's going to be slain. It's predestined that the Lamb of God will be slain for the sins of the world before anyone commits any sins. So, um, and so the struggle with this, of course, is, um, you know, like how could how can God do that? Is God unjust to uh, then predestine some to be a part of his family uh, and not predestine others? Um, which we don't get the answer to. You only get a question about, you know, and that's the question you, the, the answer to that question is a question, right? Which is how can you, who is formed, say to him who formed you, uh, why did you make me like this? So, and that's why I said him. I said in my sermon yesterday, um, it's obviously that question comes up. You can't know anybody's predestiny. I mean, a Christian can know their predestiny by only by if they believe in Jesus, right? Like, so if you believe in Jesus that you that God raised you, him, I'm sorry, that God raised Jesus from the dead, and that you confess him as Lord, you can know your predestiny. You were predestined to believe that, you know, so like, and you're walking in, um, God's will for you that he predestined, right? But that's how you know that, but you can't know anybody else's predestiny, right? Because they, even though they may not believe now, um, that doesn't mean they won't believe a year from now, you know, or 10 minutes from now or whatever. So you just can't know that's for God to know, not for us. Real quick. Um, yeah. With that. So, Ten years from now, they might believe that, and they'd be saved. 
But here's the question now, and this is kind of like a little side piece here that I just thought about. Are they any less saved before they believe in Jesus Christ than uh, after? Because if they're predestined, aren't they already... I mean, they're, they they're basically already have their ticket, right? I mean... Well, certainly God, God is... Uh, you know, so, so like... So I became a Christian in 1995, right? So in 1994, you know, obviously God was seen... In 1994, although I yet did not believe, it's not as if God didn't know that I wasn't going right. to be one of his... Uh, in the family of God, right? So yes, certainly he knows all who are going to uh, be in the family of God. Keeps them, you know keeps them alive, of course, you know, or whatever it might, whatever the consequences of that would be. Um, but yeah, but to your point, right? Like, uh, we know, we know people are in the family of God because they trust that God raised Jesus from the dead and they confess him as Lord. That's how we know people are in the family of God. Sure. Right. That's it. That That's the only thing. So I was just curious yeah, about this so, like, technicality, you know, the, I mean, like, before they become a Christian, are they already saved? You know, like in that, in that legalese yeah. kind of aspect, you know? Uh, yeah, probably not. No, I mean, I think that's like, um, you know, of course we know that they will be saved. Right. But, uh, um, but at that point yet, if they don't trust Jesus, they're not saved. they're not yet, okay. you know, they're not saved, but they certainly could be, uh, eventual brothers and sisters. We just don't know. God knows that. We right. just don't. And so the the fact that we, if we would come to any conclusion about somebody's predestiny because of the way they're acting at any one point in time, is a is a huge mistake, right? Um, and so, and you know, and we've talked about this before when we're talking about salvation, right? When people are like, "Well, uh, does how does that mess with our free will?" you know, and our choices and stuff like that. So, but I think it's pretty, uh, obviously this doesn't answer maybe everything. I think it's actually, but I think it's right is we are not saved by choice. We, we just are not saved by choice. We're saved by faith. Right. Cause we would and never so, choose it. Um, and even if you think you would choose it, right. You probably already believe when you choose it. It's, it's almost impossible to uh, um, choose something you don't believe. Now, you can choose to want to believe something, but you don't yet believe it, right? Like, you can, we can do that all the time. I want to, you know, choose, or whatever. You know, I want to, like, have a better attitude or something. I don't know, whatever it can be. But, but we ultimately, when you believe something, you will choose it. It is, this all, it is like, always follows, right? Um, and so... Uh, so we're not saved by choice, we're saved by faith. Um, and so when you choose God, uh, choose to follow Jesus, uh, and again, what what does choose to follow Jesus mean um, if you don't believe that God raised him from the dead, right? So certainly you could probably choose to follow Jesus and not yet be a Christian because you might not yet believe God raised him from the dead, Right, you might actually be coming not to the person, the alive person of Jesus. You might be coming to a set of teachings of His that you think you're going to follow, which would not, which would not be salvation yet. You know, now not a bad thing. Certainly better than <laughs> you know, you know, right. ignoring it, right? But again, faith is what saves, right? And so, choice is something very much, very, very different, um, and so. Even, you know, and we've said this before on the podcast, but even someone like C.S. Lewis, of course, like who is a big proponent of free will and choice, you know, even he, uh, he called himself the most re- reluctant believer because uh, he, he didn't really want to become a Christian, I don't think, you know, he just really, but he believed it. And so he was like, okay, I believe this. So I'm a Christian, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and he, you know, he, and in fact, in that sense, his choice was sort of irrelevant, right? Because he believed it, right? Uh, but even though, but he kind of did admit, like if I if I had my choice, I don't think I would want to be a Christian. Oh, I uh, can, so. I I can actually guarantee you, 
if I was making the choice, if it was just me making the choice, I'm not, I wouldn't be a Christian. Uh, I've, I, I used to be, uh, we used to do like a, a Bible study thing at my last church. <clears throat> and I would tell those guys all the time that would be in there, it'd be like, you know, if, if, if Jesus isn't resurrected from the dead, I got way better things to do on a Tuesday night. Uh huh. And yes, I did believe me. I could, if, if it was, if it was my choice, I could very easily say, you know, there's just not enough evidence here. I am not going to waste my time on Sunday morning. Yeah. I'm not going to go do a yeah. podcast about the supreme God of the universe. I am not going yeah. to spend time reading my Bible. I'm not going to watch the sermon from every Sunday twice, you know, <laughs> uh, to do a podcast. Like but you on, really have sacrificed. Yes. I mean, well, it's not just, it's, I'm just it's teasing. not really a huge I'm, I'm, sacrifice. I'm just teasing. It's just you. like, yeah, yeah. it's what you're saying though. It's I've chosen to do those things because I believe them, mm-hmm. but I certainly did not choose this. Yeah. God chose it for yeah. me because, man, there's there's so many other things that I like to do that I would put way ahead of going to yeah. church yeah. if yeah. it wasn't for predestination, yeah. really. And then think of that. I mean, think of that word, too, like call. It's like when God calls, you come. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's really the reality, right? Like, it's like you are called. You, you never need to. You never need to question whether you are in God's plan and in God's will you don't um, as a Christian. Off. So, uh, well, certainly you can like, you know, you can certainly sin and ignore God after, you know, there, there's times you can be, there can be some pretty serious backsliding by Christians, but you come back, you know, like, you know, you, you know, because you are called, you're justified, you're glorified. Um, you know who yeah. this makes me think of? Hmm. Uh, there was that guy that got swallowed by the big fish, uh, Jonah, <laughs> yeah, <there> you, <laughs> you know, and he was so reluctant. He was yeah. just so angry about the whole thing. And, uh, but the problem is, is if you look at the end where he, he's, he's thrown his, his, his little fit, you know, he's thrown his tantrum off outside of the city. And he's like, you know, I, you know, this is stupid. I knew that you were forgiving God and I knew that you were going to, forgive them and you're going to, and I look like an idiot. Yes. And so he's admitting the entire time that yes. he knew. Yes. And yet, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, dude, it's such a, what a great story, isn't it? Oh my gosh, what a great story. I, uh, I, I love the yes, story. What yes. You know what I hate about all that though is like, so like I was, I was, uh, I went to a Catholic school, uh, first through eighth grade. And the only thing I could have told you about Jonah was that he was swallowed by a fish. <laughs> That was it. They were just like, yeah, like, isn't that amazing? He was swallowed by a fish. I was like, like, I don't understand. Yes. Oh, dude, that's so funny. And then I was called. Yeah. And I read Jonah on my own. That was like, whoa, this is amazing. Oh, that's so great. That's so, yeah, that's, dude, I mean, the, the complexity of that book is like massive. And yeah, we like, we, it's like. Oh, here's a, it's like a, it's a, a whale. It's a man and a whale. Um, yeah, dude, that's so right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's ultimately what it means the, to be predestined. You know, God's plan to make a people of which he is going to um, rule with them in, you know, now, beginning now, and then ultimately in the new earth, united with heaven, is going to, is his plan. And, you know, and he's calling and he's uniting us with Jesus and we're walking in it. Um, yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 and, and of course that's, I think that actually makes the rest of the chapter, which is a much more easier part to understand. Oh, thank goodness. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually, thank goodness for me. It's sort of hard, but it's like, um, but it's like, who, so what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you are foreknown, predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, which is a probably a vocational word, not a holiness word, like a vocational, you're sharing the rule with Christ. Um, you're called, justified, glorified. That's all true of you all at once. These are, these are past tense words. You know, these aren't things that are going to happen. They are, they are real for you right now. Uh, who can be against us? You know, if God is, if God has done this, if you're going to rule the nations with Christ, who's going to be against you? 
right? Ultimately, right? Who's going to be against you? Yeah, who could who could possibly do anything? Who could do anything? Yeah. And that's and that's the next question. Yeah. Who who is it that uh, condemns? Right? Uh, who is it that brings a charge against God's elect? Um, I, so you, the word elect is in there too, right? So it's like again, God's people word, God's family word, like God's. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Who's going to you know condemn you? you I, know? I think I've talked about. <clears throat> I think I've talked about this before, but that that verse actually helped me a lot when I was going through. Uh, I was, this was years ago and I was having like some major anxiety attacks and stuff. I mean, like every time I would like get in the car to go to work, like I would start having an anxiety attack and the way that I, I was able to get through it was literally by reminding myself that, or by the Holy spirit reminding me would probably be more accurate that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the one true King. Mm -hmm. What could possibly be held against yeah, me? Right. What could possibly harm me? Yeah, and that does not not to say that I expected to be invincible, but that I knew that from that that these anxiety attacks and such were just they were they were they were pointless worrying. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's I mean that's exactly what this stuff is for for assurance. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly right. Confidence and. Um, and I think what's even, you know, when oftentimes when we think of children of God, right, we think of protection in his family, like kind of like, uh, but Romans 8 teaches us children are inheritors of the earth and uh, then co-rulers with Christ. So it's not just that you are like getting, you know, hugs and playing catch with Jesus, you know, like and having all these warm fuzzies um, as being a child of God. It's way cooler than this. <laughs> you know, it's literally an inheritance. It's a, it is the earth. The earth, the new earth is yours. That's because it's Christ, it's also yours. It's it is yours. Like you in Christ, it's yours. Everything and that's what Paul says, everything's yours. Like so can we stop it with the Paul, Apollos, this is that, this is mine, this is yours, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, inheritors and then also rulers, you know. And so we get a picture then, too, of the people of God ruling at the second coming, which is a very eye-opening picture of the difference between us now and then us at the second coming. Jesus was a lamb when he came the first time. Second time, he's a lion. We very much are like lambs, just like vulnerable, gentle, trying to persuade, not using any weapons of warfare, this earth, whatever, you know, flesh or whatever. But when you look at us at the second coming, we are also lions too. Like our lambness, our gentleness vulnerability is all gone and we know exactly what it is that we need to do with jesus and the nation i don't know exactly how that's going to work but you look at you look at the description of the saints coming with jesus totally different than the way we are now um and it's not just our shining it's our rule that we rule with jesus it's it's ooh. It gives me chills time to think about. It. So, do you think some people will will hear this and think, "How arrogant"? I mean, probably, uh, but of course, they just think it's arrogant. I would imagine just because they think it's wrong and it's religious. And so, since it's religious and it really can't be proven, then how can you say that you you know your your religion is right? Usually, that's kind of usually where that stuff comes from. Uh, but, uh, hopefully it's not arrogance in the sense where, of course, we know that we are in the people of God, not because we earned it through works and doing so many good things and we're so smart and we're so good. It's like, oh, we're so bad and we're so dumb, but, but because of the, but because of the grace of, of God, uh, we are, you know, uh, we are Christians, um, not because of any good thing within us, you know, so, and we might even suppose that you are a much better person than we are because it's not 
goodness has nothing to do whether or not you're in the people of God. And actually, goodness might be your biggest barrier. Yeah, because this isn't being uh, this isn't being given to us by our good works or by our abilities, but rather by the works and abilities of Jesus. I mean, yeah, what we're it's being in exactly. That's exactly what this Romans eight is, right? It's like uh, all of this stuff is for us because Jesus earned it. Jesus. You know, Jesus fulfilled it all. Jesus got it all. And we are fully identified with him. So all that he has is ours. Because once again, going back to that, we would have never chose it. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, and I mean, I think, yeah, that's right. And that's, I think, again, yeah, it's it really is a beautiful, a beautiful thing that, um, of course, and anybody who comes to believe it, we don't complain. You know, we don't <laughs> complain about what Jesus does for us. We might complain about lots of other things we can groan about, about we wish God would do that maybe he hasn't done or is not, whatever. There's lots of things that we uh, hopefully can really be honest with God about, but anybody who believes that Jesus has saved them, called them, justified them, glorified them, you know, we're not complaining about that. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) 